Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors from Trinity, and it's my privilege to be here uh, together with you this morning. Uh, Before we take on this topic, would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, who gave his life so that we might be set free. Amen. So a guy by the name of Matt came to talk to me. Um, He had been raised uh, in a very traditional church from little on, baptized when he was a little baby, and uh, church every Sunday with his family, Sunday school every week as soon as he was old enough to be in Sunday school, and uh, uh, very much active part of the church. And when he, when he got to high school age, when a lot of his friends kind of stopped going to church, he did the opposite. He kind of doubled down and just got more involved. He was actually teaching Sunday school. And uh, by the time he became a senior in high school, uh, he was like the Sunday school superintendent. He was like in charge of the, the whole Sunday school. He was, he was just, he was a rock star uh, in this church. But along the way, uh, Matt had come to a realization about himself, about his life. Uh, as Matt was growing up, he realized uh, when his friends started liking boys or girls, he started liking boys. And he eventually came to that realization that he was gay. And, uh, and so it was near the beginning of his senior year. He was almost 18 years old, and uh, he, he decided he needed to tell his family. So he sat down one Sunday evening with his mom and his dad, and he told them, he, he, he shared with them uh, that he was gay, and, and it actually went pretty well. His parents were, were more welcoming and more open than he thought they were going to be. And uh, so kind of emboldened by that, he decided, Matt decided that Tuesday, he was going to set up an appointment with his pastor and tell his pastor. So that Tuesday evening, he, he was sitting there in his pastor's office at his church, and, and, and he, he told his pastor he was gay. It it didn't go so well. His, his pastor was confused and, and said, but, you know, stuff like, but, but man, you've grown up in the church all your life. How, how, how can you say that? And said a bunch of other confusing things to Matt. And fi- finally said, Matt, you know, I got to think about this. I got to pray about this. Matt left with this really uneasy feeling. One of the things his pastor had said to him just kept resonating in his mind. His pastor said, well, I, I got to pray about this, but, but know that, that you can still come to church next Sunday. It, it had never occurred to Matt that all of a sudden he wouldn't be welcome in his church. Thursday night, he gets a phone call from his pastor. And uh, his pastor said, Matt, I, I called an emergency elders meeting last night so we could talk about your situation. And, uh, and we've decided, yeah, you're, you're welcome at church on Sunday, but you shouldn't come to communion, and, and, and you can't teach Sunday school anymore. Matt was stunned. D- didn't know how to react. That Sunday morning, he wasn't sure what he was going to do, but he decided, I guess I'm going to go to church with my family. And so with his parents, he, he went to church, and he sat there, and he said as he walked in, instantly he knew it was different. 
Constantly, he sat in the pew, he'd catch people just turning and staring at him. Finally, about halfway through the service, Matt told me he, he couldn't take it anymore, and he got up and he walked out, and, and this was about 10 years later, he said, he said, Mark, I have not been back to a church since. Folks, that story is all too familiar. I've heard it again and again and again in, in various versions over the years from people who have been deeply wounded by the church. We got to do better. And, and that's what this series is about. And, and we've been using this, this verse, this verse, there you go. Uh, we've, been, we've been using this verse, and we're going to use it every week uh, during this series, this verse from uh, the first chapter of John, where John starts with this idea that this guy named the Word, we come to know him as Jesus, right? That the, the Word became flesh, and we're told he made his dwelling among us. See, I love the message translation. He moved into the neighborhood. And, uh, and then when he gets to verse 14, he says this. He says, and he, we've seen his glory, of the glory of the only Son of the Father. And he, it says he came full of grace and truth. And one of the things we learned last week is that, that truth is, is not like God's law, but it's, it's like the truth about this, this idea that God loves us. And just to make sure we get that, uh, he, he says that he came he, he, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace, not truth upon truth, not law upon law, not judgment upon judgment. We've received grace upon grace. And because that's what we've received, that's what we're supposed to give. That's what we're supposed to be for others. We're supposed to be the grace people. We're supposed to be people that are full of grace, overflowing with grace. Every time you turn around, it's grace. Now, Dave ended the message last week with this question. He said, is being gay or trans or bi, is, it, is that a sin? And he said we were going to answer that question this week when I was preaching. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> but, but as we talk about this question, first of all, I want to tell you that I believe in a lot of ways this is the absolute wrong question. Now, we'll talk about it today. We'll talk about it a little bit more why I think that's the case. And, and, and first of all, I, I would say you have to think about who is asking this question. What, what kind of answer are they looking for when they're asking this question? Because you see, there are some people that ask this question that, that have been part of a church all their lives. They, they believe in the truth of God's word. They may be like that pastor I told you in Matt's story. And what they're looking for is they're looking for an answer that says yes to this question. And in fact, they've kind of made that question uh, kind of a litmus test. What they're really asking is, can I listen to you? Can I, can I trust you? Or do I have to go find another church family? Because I want a church family that, that preaches what I believe is God's truth from his word. And that's really the question they're asking. But I'd point out to you, first of all, isn't it interesting that, that that's the litmus test? They don't say, do you believe divorce is a sin? They don't say, do you believe living together before marriage is a sin? They don't say, do you believe being overweight is a sin? They don't believe, they don't say, do you believe uh, penny any poker with your friends is a sin? They don't believe, they don't ask, do you believe drinking is a sin? They don't believe, do you believe dancing? We could go down the list, couldn't we? Somehow, for some reason, that question has become kind of the litmus test, uh, test for orthodoxy. I wonder why. 
But here's the interesting thing. I guarantee you, if there's a hundred of us here this morning, we could sit down and we could find a hundred different opinions about what kinds of things are sin in the Bible. We could all find something that we would disagree about. And the fact is, Christians do disagree about some specific things and whether they're sin or not and what we're supposed to do about those things. See, there are some other people that are asking the question, but they're really looking for the other answer. They're looking for a, a, a resounding no to that question. And, and, and they're not so much concerned with uh, my interpretation of certain passages in the Bible. What they're really asking is this. They're really saying, is this a loving, accepting place? Or is this a judgmental place? And, and I get that question because, unfortunately, sometimes churches can be a judgmental place. But see, both people, the ones that are looking for a yes and the ones that are looking for a no, both of them, in many cases, are missing the point. And it's because they have an incomplete understanding of what sin is. Now, we just heard this from Romans chapter 3, where Paul says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's a, there's a question uh, I like to ask people. Let me, let me ask you guys. I want you to think about it for a second. Are you ready? Uh, do you sin because you're a sinner or are you a sinner because you sin? You're going, wait, I didn't have my coffee this morning, Mark. What are you doing? <laughs> let me try this one more time. Are you a sinner because you sin or do you sin because you're a sinner? See, I think a lot of people think it's the first one of those, that I'm a sinner because I sin. There are things that I do, and because I do those things, I am now labeled a sinner. But that's not what the Bible teaches about sin. It, it teaches the exact opposite. It teaches that the sins that I commit, the things that I do, that the Bible would say are sin, that I do those things because they are a symptom of a deeper problem I have. I am a sinner. Literally, the Bible says, uh, um, King David wrote, I was sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. Think about that. I wasn't, he said I wasn't even born yet and I was a sinner. My wife and I have a son. He's 25 years old. Uh, he's working on his PhD down at the University of Illinois right now. But I, I remember his first sin. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm being totally serious with you. He was just a little kid and uh, couldn't walk yet. Um, and he was playing on the floor and I was watching the bear game. And, uh, and, and he kind of was pulling himself around on the floor, and he pulled himself over uh, to the stand. We had our TV on. This was one of the old, big tube TVs, okay? Um, and, and he pulled himself up, and, and he saw the off button, and he pressed it, and he turned the TV off. And I went like this. I went, whoa, 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 what, what are you doing? Dude, I'm watching that. And I picked him up, and I pointed to the off button, and I went, No! And I took him and I set him back in the middle of the floor and I went and back, got back in my recliner. <laughs> he took one look at me, made a beeline for the TV, pulled himself up, hit the off button, turned and looked back and said, now what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> that's what his face said. His first sin, he disobeyed his father <laughs> and was pushing the limits to see what would I do about it, right? Now, now I, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking around, but, but, but the point is a real point, that that sin that he committed, it wasn't like he was this holy, perfect child that if he had died, he would have gone to heaven, and now that he had turned the off button on, when I told him not to, he was going to go to hell, right? That's not what it was. 
He, he was born sinful. And it was only a matter of time before it showed up. And, and Paul says that's true for all of us. That, that all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. We have a condition. We have a problem. Now, that is true also in the area of our sexuality. Jesus said this kind of amazing thing. It's a, it's a, it's a stunning thing when you first think about it. He said, you, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He said, but I'm going to tell you, if you even look at somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery with him. In other words, what, what Jesus was trying to help us understand is when it comes to our sexuality, all of us fall short of God's grace. There's not a single relationship in this world that is pure and decent and exactly the way God wants it to be. There's not a single one of us that when it comes to our sexuality that we have lived our lives exactly perfectly the way God created us to live. We've all fallen short. Pastor Tim Keller was, was uh, doing a radio interview about this exact subject and, uh, and the, the interview kept pressing him on the is it a sin question. And finally, Tim Keller said this. He said, look, you're making it sound like that gay sex sends you to hell and straight sex takes you to heaven. That's not how it works. All of us have sinned and fallen short. And because of that, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 2. He says, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? In other words, he says, when you point a finger at someone else and say that they're doing something wrong, that their way of living is out of step with God's plan, that, that they are sinners because of a certain kind of behavior in their life or a certain kind of orientation in their life, he says, when you do that, don't, don't you realize that you're not going to escape the judgment of God either? Now, now, by the way, I find it very ironic that he says this at the beginning of chapter 2 when it's Romans chapter 1 that so many people point to when they try to answer that question is being gay a sin. Right after that, Paul says, look, who, who are you to judge? Because all of us have fallen short. And then he says this, look at this, he says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? I was taught, honestly, something different when I went to seminary. I had professor after professor after professor tell me that it is God's law that leads you to repentance. It is God's judgment that people need to hear so they will repent. Paul says, that doesn't work. It's God's kindness. It's God's grace that makes an impact and a difference in our lives. Paul ends this section in Romans that we were talking about when he says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. He says, but here's the good news. We've been justified. That means we've been made right with God 
And that happens as a gift, not based on our behavior, uh, not, not based on anything we need to do. You don't have to clean up your act in certain areas of your life. You don't have to believe certain things about what God's word says. You don't have to do anything, he says. It's given to you as a gift through the redemption that is ours through Christ Jesus. Now, now by the way, before when I said there were two different groups of people asking that question, is being gay a sin? There's, there's, there's a third group. And, and that's people that are gay or trans or bisexual or queer or gender fluid. They're, they're asking that question. What they're really asking is, how are you going to treat me? Or maybe it's not me, maybe it's my brother, my sister, my friend. How are you going to treat them? See, for some people, this is a very personal question. When, uh, when I was in my 20s, um, I was a Lutheran school teacher. I was teaching junior high. Um, coaching basketball, stuff like that. And along the way, God convinced me that, that, that I should go to seminary and become a pastor. And it was about three months before we were getting ready to head off to seminary when my brother sat my mom and my sister and I down and told us he was gay. My sister and I went, well, duh. <laughs> and seriously, we, we had known for a while. But... Uh, but then his first question, and it was, he looked right at me when he asked it, because, you know, here's the guy that's heading off to be the Lutheran pastor. He looked right at me when he asked it. He said, I need to know, do you guys think that that means I'm going to hell? Do you, do you guys think that, that being gay is a sin? What he was really asking, and by the way, I didn't answer well then. And it hurt our relationship for a lot of years till I finally figured this out. But what he was really asking was this. He really didn't care how I read Romans chapter 1. He, he cared, how are you going to treat me, Mark? Am I, am I still going to be welcome at family gatherings? Are, are you still going to love me? Are you still going to be my big brother? That's what he really wanted to know. You know Dave shared this quote with you guys last week from Tim Keller, and, and, and I got to tell you, it's become a, kind of a guiding principle um, for a lot of my ministry. You know, he, he said, again, if, if you missed it, he said, to be loved but not known is comforting, but it's superficial. In other words, he says, if, if, if people say, I love you, but they really don't know that much about you, it's kind of nice that they say it, but there's this little voice in your head going, oh, <laughs> if you only knew. If you know this about me, or you knew that that I had done, or you knew you know, that about me, then, then, then you wouldn't be saying that, right? But it's still nice. He goes on to say this. He says, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear, right? Our greatest fear is somebody's going to find out about me, and that person that said they love me isn't going to love me anymore. That's what my brother was afraid of, that now that he was known, he wouldn't be loved anymore, Right? And then, and then Keller wraps it up with this. He says, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. You see, the fact is, you are fully known and truly loved. Back to King David, you know, the guy that said, I was sinful from the moment I was conceived. 
In, in Psalm 139, he writes these words. Listen to this. He says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Now think about that for a minute. David is saying, and he's right, by the way, that, that every single thing David had ever done was known fully by God. And, and by the way, remember your, your Sunday school stories about King David. Maybe you didn't study this one in Sunday school, how he uh, slept with another woman that wasn't his wife and got her pregnant. And then when he found out she was pregnant, he decided he would try to hide it by getting her husband killed in a battle. And when he succeeded in doing that, then he took her as his own wife. And she was wife number, I don't know, three or four, something like that. Talk about messed up. David said, Lord, you know everything about me. The stuff I thought I could maybe hide from other people, I can't hide from you. He says, you even know what I'm going to say before I say it. But then look at what he says. But you place your hand of blessing on my head. Time and time again, God called David a man after his own heart. What? You place a hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. David said, it's not bad news that you knew everything about me. It's good news that you know everything about me because I know that I am fully known by you and yet you still truly love me, God. Folks, we all just want to be fully known and truly loved. And, and my deepest prayer is that this faith community and all four of our sites, that, that faith family together, that at all of our places, that we would be a place where people could be fully known and know that they are truly loved. That there's, that there's nothing you need to hide. You can just be totally open and honest about where you're struggling in life and where, what you're proud of in life. And, and, and you're not going to get judged you're going to receive grace upon grace. Dave also shared this statistic with you last week. It's from um, Andrew Marin's book, uh, Us Versus Us, that 86% uh, of LGBTQ people were raised in a faith community, and that's higher than the average. It's average in society around us is about 75%. 86% of gay people are like that, that guy, Matt, whose story I shared with you. And, uh, and the sad thing is that um, the majority of them, when they came out, left the church. In most cases, because they felt like they had to. I can't imagine, and I told Matt this when we had a chance to, to talk and wrestle through this a little bit together. I said, I can't imagine what it would be like to, to find out that the church I grew up in, the people that I looked up to growing up, that all those people once they knew me, didn't love me anymore. But here's the good news. In, in Andrew Mayer's study, he found that 76%, three out of every four LGBTQ people said that they wanted to come back to church. They were open to getting reconnected with a faith community. But it would have to be a place where they could be fully known. 
and truly loved. There's a, a professor out of Wheaton College that does a lot of work with trans people, and um, in one of his talks that he gave, he, he said it this way. He said, they will never accept that they have a loving Father in heaven if they don't experience that love from me. And I believe that's true. So, back to the question. I was talking with Ebony before the service, and uh, she said, I was really hoping you were going to say yes or no. <laughs> I'm not. It, it, it's just way too complicated a question. And, and different Christians are going to disagree about the answer, but, but, but the point is, I don't think it matters. We, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's love and grace. We've all been justified by God's grace as a gift through Jesus Christ. And, and, and so our job isn't to judge one another. Our job is to love one another and, and bring that love and grace to one another. Now, maybe you're saying, well, but, but, but how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? Well, I'm going to make Dave answer that one for you next week. <laughs> But, but before, before we pray, before I'm done this week, just, just one last story. And again, this is a personal one for me. This is about my brother. So I, I told you, you know, he came out to our family. Um, and, you know, he had some relationships along the way. And, and some of those were good. And, and some of those weren't so good. Um, and uh, this was, some of it was during the kind of the AIDS epidemic. And there were a couple times I, I, I had to sit down with my brother and go, dude, I love you. I'm worried about you. Not because you're gay. I'm just worried about you. But the, the good news, he and I are at a great place in our lives now. And he met a wonderful guy named Jim, who's a, an important part of our family. And, and a number of years ago, when uh, the state of Illinois finally made it legal uh, for gay people to get married, um, I, I was waiting for the phone call. Sure enough, it came. It was my brother. And he said, he said Mark, I got two questions for you. So I think I know the answer to the first question, but I, I'm going to ask it anyway. It's really the second question I'm more concerned about. I said, okay, fair enough, go ahead. He said, Jim and I are going to get married. Will you do the ceremony? I said, Paul, you know I'm a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I can't. I'd lose my job. He said, that's what I thought you'd say. I figured. He said, I'm okay with that. I get it. He said, but here's the second question. He said, will you be there? And as you can see, it still makes me emotional talking about it. Because think about that for a second. My, my brother actually believed that even though I think I had done my best to try to show him God's love and grace over the years, he actually believed that there was a chance that I wouldn't be there at his wedding. I just said, Paul, of course I'm going to be there. Of course I'm going to be there. Then he said, I, I do have a third question then. He said, well, will you do the Bible reading at the wedding? And I said, do I get to pick the verse? <laughs> and we just laughed. And, and by the way, I, I did. I, I did the Bible reading at his wedding. Folks, somewhere along the way, we got things messed up in the church. And, 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 and maybe because we were trying to make some sort of political point to the world around us, or, or, or maybe just we felt backed into a corner, or whatever it was, somewhere along the way, we let this issue 
kind of be a litmus test or a dividing issue. And, and it can't be. And we've got to be people of grace. And yeah, sometimes that's messy. And sometimes the people we're showing grace to are people we really don't understand. And, and we, we, we struggle to understand, but that doesn't matter. We should be there for him and show him God's love and grace. And I pray that we can be that kind of faith community. Would you, would you bow your heads and pray with me again? Lord, um, we have to confess that the church, I'm talking about the big C church now, all of us that would call ourselves Christians have not done a very good job over the years showing your love and grace really to a lot of different people, but specifically as we're talking about this week, we haven't done a good job showing your love and grace to people in the LGBTQ community. Lord, the very people that should have um, loved them and, and helped them sort through a complicated part of their lives turn their backs on them all too often or judge them. And Lord, for that, we just have to confess that we're sorry. Lord, help us do better as individuals and as a church family. Help us be people who have received from your fullness grace upon grace and who share that with others freely. In your name we pray. Amen. So Dave said that for the series, he's been sharing a question um, to get you thinking a little bit. And, uh, and I want to share that question with you right now. So can we throw that question up there? Yeah. So here, here's the question I have for you today. Ask yourself this, am I treating others as graciously as God has treated me? It can be so easy sometimes to, to want everybody to cut us slack and then not always cut that same slack for others. So here's the question. Are you treating others as graciously as God has been to you?